you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Our theme for 2019 is great faith. God is able to do more than we ask, think, or even imagine. Abraham is often referred to as the father of faith. Not long ago, we learned how great faith is formed by looking at the life of Abraham. That series was called Unwavering. Today, we are continuing to learn more about faith by looking at the life of Isaac, Abraham's son. Today, we are starting a new series called Unchanging, which is about God's unchanging faithfulness. God showed himself faithful to Abraham and his son Isaac, even though they had doubts, even though they weren't perfect and they made mistakes. In this series, we'll see that God's unchanging faithfulness, God's unchanging character, um, is not dependent on circumstances, on our perceptions. It's who he is. Isaac made some big mistakes, and yet God was faithful to accomplish what he had promised to him and to his father. And so we want to pick up the story in Genesis chapter 22. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, beginning in verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham arose early in the morning saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to, place, and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And then Abraham said to his young men, and keep in mind at this time in the story, Abraham is over 100 years old. He was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And so he tells his young men to wait here. At that age, young is relative. I'm not sure what age the young men were. <laughs> Isaac could have well have been his great-great-grandson. And so he said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire. By the way, in those days, they didn't have matches. They didn't have lighters. So oftentimes, you would take burning coals or embers and carry it with you to start a fire at your next location. And so he took the fire in his hand and the knife. And so they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, here I am, my son, and he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide, for he himself, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in, in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. 
Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now, as you recall, Isaac was a miracle baby because both he and Sarah were beyond the years of childbearing. In fact, the first time that God spoke to Abraham about having a son, the Lord said, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. And the Lord spoke to Abraham. After the Lord spoke to Abraham, I could imagine Abraham with that promise in mind, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. I could imagine him at night just looking up at the sky. And just looking at just all the stars and going, wow, amazing. Have you ever looked in wonder at a starry night? Did you know when you're looking out at the stars at night that some of those are not really stars? Some of them are galaxies. But they are so far away, they look like stars. One day... A teacher asked her third grade class, do you know what a galaxy is? And one of her students raised his hand and he said, yes, it's made by Samsung. (laughs) But have you ever been amazed just looking up at the stars and seeing the galaxies? You know, for centuries, scientists have been puzzled about the purpose of the universe because it's so, it's so, it's beyond It's infinite. And if the purpose of the universe is to provide a home for you and I, then it's way, way oversized. And so they surmise there must be another purpose. Perhaps the reason the universe is so big is that there are other life forms. And so we search and we listen. But what if the purpose of the universe is something else? The psalmist says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And Louis Giglio says, if the purpose of the heavens is to declare the glory of God, then maybe it's just about the right size after all. Do you know what is the most common thing in the whole universe? What's the most common thing in the universe? Some people might think matter Atoms, maybe space, definitely a lot of space. (laughs) Time, the most common thing in the universe is motion. The most common thing is movement. In the beginning, God created light, moving at 186,000 miles per second. God created movement in the fabric of the universe. Even the objects you can't see are moving. There isn't a single atom in the entire universe that isn't moving. Everything is in motion. 
Even if you're sitting as still as you can in your chair right there, this planet is spinning and traveling around the sun through the universe faster than you know. And what's true in the physical is also true in the spiritual. James put it this way. He said, faith is demonstrated by action, movement, motion. Now, somebody might come to me and say, well, pastor, I believe that faith is demonstrated by the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, that's valid. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yes, I think that would be a, a demonstration or a manifestation of faith. But let's take a little closer look at the fruit of the Spirit. Let's just pick the first one, love, for example. Guys, I got a question for you. Did you ever pursue a woman to marry her? And when you first shared your heart and you told her that you liked her or that you loved her, did she just go, okay, and then you walked away? No! You demonstrated those feelings. I mean, think back to what it was like when you were first dating and all the things that you did to show your love. You can't just say, I love you, period. Love is demonstrated in action. In the same way, how will someone know if you trust God? When God speaks to, Ab to Abraham and he says, go take your son to a mountain, the text reveals nothing about the thought process of Abraham. The text reveals nothing about what Abraham was feeling. The only way we know Abraham's faith is through what he does. The only way Isaac sees his father's faith is through what he does. People can't read your mind. They don't know your thought processes. They don't know what you're feeling. As far as faith goes, your disciples and your family are relying on what you do. Now, of course, it's possible to have action without faith. I mean, anyone can walk into this church without faith. You just need two legs and some health. But you cannot have faith without action. And so when God spoke, the next day, Abraham woke up early and prepared for the journey. Now, some of us could read this and think, you know, that is a terrible thing to ask any father to do. I just, some things in the Bible I don't get. But it was never God's intention to sacrifice Isaac. The opportunity to demonstrate faith was a test. We maybe blew by it too quickly in verse 1, but let's read it again. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. 
and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will show you. And so Abraham arose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. God's intention was never to sacrifice Isaac. God's intention was to test Abraham's faith. And Abraham passed the test because faith is demonstrated by what we do. There is another reason God told Abraham to take Isaac up to the mountain. God was using Abraham and Isaac to reveal his plan to save the world. Abraham and Isaac were a foreshadow of Jesus and his father. This is an amazing passage. If you look more deeply, there are many similarities between Abraham and God the Father. Number one, for Abraham, Isaac is his only son. For God the Father, Jesus is his only son. Next one. Abraham loved him. God the Father loves Jesus. Next one. The Lord told Abraham, I want you to go to a land near the mountain of Moriah. Jesus went to the land of earth. Next. He went to a mountain. Jesus went to the Mount of Golgotha. Isaac carried the wood. Jesus carried the cross. Abraham believed God to raise Isaac from the dead, and God raised Jesus from the dead. Mm. The other one, not here on the screen. Isaac willingly surrendered without struggle to his father. Jesus willingly went to the cross without resistance and accepted his father's plan. All of these similarities point to one thing. If you remember anything I say today, remember just this one thing. All of this points to the fact that God loves you. He, God loves you. He values you so much that he gave what was most valuable to himself so that you could have the most valuable gift ever. God loves you. This series is entitled Unchanging. God's love never changes. Life changes all the time. Our circumstances change through various seasons. When you're in the midst of the unknown, it's important to know that God's plans for you have not changed. They have not. When you know you've made a mess and you wonder if you can ever be restored, it's important for you to know God's heart toward you has not changed. When life feels like it's falling apart, God is watching over you and he is still with you and he is still for you. When we feel like we've messed up beyond repair, God can restore us as we repent and put him first in our lives. And not only, is, <clears throat> not only is he able to restore you, he wants to restore you. And that's very important to keep in mind because oftentimes we can have this belief in our minds, yeah, I know God loves me, I know God can, I know God is able, but will he for me? And the answer is a resounding yes, he will. That's the whole reason 
He came and took our place on the cross. It's not just about receiving forgiveness. He also wants you to be transformed into his likeness. It's not just about receiving eternal life so that after this life, you're going to live forever. It's about his glory being restored in your life on this side of eternity. That's good news. But when we walk out those doors or those doors, life gets complicated. There's lots of issues out there. And there are some obstacles to overcome. And one of them, I think, for us is trying to find the right balance between being and doing. You know, Steve Murrell was here years ago, and he gave a talk called Quit and Sit. It's about being still before the Lord. And then back to back, the very next Sunday, we had another guest speaker who didn't know the topic from the previous week. He didn't know about quit and sit. But he came, and the title of his message was Get Up and Go. <laughs> and so somebody came to me after the service, and they said, so which one is it? <laughs> no, what is faith? Is it working for God, or is it resting for God? Do I get up and go? Or do I quit and sit? <clears throat> it's both. Every morning, I have communion. I sit in my living room at my coffee table, and I have this dry cracker and a little bit of wine, and I sit there in quietness before the Lord, and I say, God, search my heart. And it's very important to make sure before I start my day that I'm right with God. And I take as long as I need to be in his presence and to make sure I connect with him in the beginning through the blood of Jesus. But then after that time alone with God, I tell you, my day gets very busy. I got to run to keep up with God and live out the assignment that he has for me, whether it's repairing stuff in my house or going to visit somebody in the hospital or preparing a message. We all have an assignment. We all have assignments that God has given us. And we need, to be, we need to do both. We need to be in his presence. We need to enter into our identity, our sonship and our daughtership, in through our relationship with Jesus. But then in order to demonstrate that faith, we also need to get up and go. But there is a proper order. It's being before doing. Because as you know, you can do and not really feel like you're being yourself. And so we need to sit and quit and be with God and be quiet and then get up and go. It's both. As you become more aware of your identity in Christ, you will have to move to fulfill God's purpose. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we have great hope in you. Lord, thank you that you are building our faith. And Lord, thank you that you are imparting your love as we experience and encounter you. Father, thank you that although 
So many things change from time to time. You never do. Your faithfulness, your love is unchanging. And so, God, I pray that you will be our anchor in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of feeling anxious. God, I ask that you would be our peace. And if you would take a moment just to be still before the Lord and say, God, what is it that you're saying to me? What is it that I'm supposed to learn? What is it that I'm supposed to walk away with? What is it that I'm supposed to do? And you would take a moment just to listen and tune in and connect with him. Father, what are you doing with me in this season? What are you saying to me? Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? And if the Lord has impressed something on you, I want to give you a moment just to say yes to him, if that's where your heart is at. I want to give you a moment to respond. to a handful of people who may be here today because you sense that God's been getting your attention lately. In fact, that's the reason you're here, because you're searching. You've been, as you're listening to me talk about experiencing God, you're realizing that's something that you would like. And if that describes you, but you've never made a conscious choice, if you've never made a formal decision to actually let God come into your life, because he does respect your decision, your choice. He waits for you. If you've never actually made a conscious choice, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that, just to say, yes, God, I want to open my life to you. And we'll just express that by talking to him. And so if that describes you, we're going to pray together in a moment. You can just hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And I have a signal for that, which is if you would simply look up, then when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that describes you, if you'd like to pray, go ahead and look up at this time. And then we'll pray together in a moment. on the door of my life 
today I'm making a choice to open the door. And I'm inviting you to come in and to show yourself to me. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me for things I've done that have been hurtful to myself or to others. Lord, things I'm not proud of. But I thank you for Jesus and how he took my place on the cross, took the punishment for me and died for me so that I could be forgiven. And if you're praying this prayer right now, I want to invite you just by faith to receive his spirit of forgiveness into your life. Let him come in. Let him be with you. He's been waiting for this moment. This is why he came, so that you could experience him now and forever after this. And so let his spirit of love come into your heart. And let him wash away any guilt, any shame, any condemnation. Father, we just come under the waterfall of your love. And we ask your light and your love to wash through and cleanse our spirits, souls, and bodies. And make us new. Lord, for those who are praying right now, I ask that you would reveal your presence to them. If you're praying with me, just say, Father, I thank you for coming into my life. I thank you for forgiving me. And I ask that you would make me the kind of person that you designed me to be. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give them a hand.